Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. We're glad you're in church today. Uh, Psalm 20, Psalm 122. Uh, We are starting a new series, and uh, this series today is... uh, uh, simply titled uh, "Family Matters," and uh, if you were to ask me to sum up some of my favorite things to talk about, uh, family would be at the top five uh, of just uh, things that I love to share. On uh, reason for that is I just really believe how crucial the family is to our society, the church, and uh, the 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 family being such a a intricate part of, of who we are. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about family matters, some matters such as, as uh, uh, setting goals, setting boundaries, handling discipline, dealing with conflict in family. Uh, we're even going to have the sex talk. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what that week is because some of you will just keep coming just in case that's the week uh, we, we have the talk. Uh, but, but I believe that the church ought to be the loudest voice. Uh, louder than our culture that speaks to what health is, how to have healthy homes, what what needs to be be spoken, shared in our homes. And so for the next four weeks, I hope you'll journey with us, kicking it off uh, today. And uh, we'll be looking at, at, uh, as I said, Psalm 122. So uh, you can find that there. Uh, David is writing what is known as a song of ascent. David is a songwriter. He was a shepherd taking care of his father's sheep. Um, Then he gets... Uh, 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 through a series of delivering food, he ends up facing Goliath. Many people know the story, David and Goliath. He then goes back to the field. He's then later anointed as king of, of uh, or, or anointed, not to be king, but anointed uh, by uh, Samuel, who knows he's anointed to be king, goes back to the field. And uh, David, of course, in the field, cultivated a heart of worship. And as a heart of worship, he began to write songs um, and uh, that continued for him. He wrote some songs that we referred to or is referred to as songs of ascent, and it means to ascend the hill of the Lord. David wrote things like, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. This is one of his songs of ascent in uh, chapter uh, 122, 122. Uh, he's writing this, and it is a song that the pilgrim, uh, that, that, that the, those that, that are making the pilgrimage to Jerusalem would sing on their way to worship. It was, a, it was assigned, or according to law, the Jewish law and custom, that three times a year, Israel was to gather in the place of worship. This was in Jerusalem as they moved the capital. It was in Jerusalem. Three times a year, you came for corporate worship. Before that, you would worship in the, uh, on the Sabbath and different occasions would be within your tribe. But then three times a year, you would all come together. And these were some of the songs they would sing as they would come together to a place of worship. David writes these songs. This is one that is somewhat familiar in uh, Psalm 122. Why don't you stand with me as we kick off our family series, Family Matters. All right, here we go. Uh, David writes this. He says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to where? The house of the Lord. How many were glad to come to church today? If you got drugged to church today, we're still glad you're here. If, if, you, if you came kicking and screaming, we're still glad you came. Um, 
David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. Uh, David is recognizing this because of where it's positioned, but also what they've gone through. Uh, David had to conquer uh, uh, Jebus, the place of the Jebusites. He conquers this place. It becomes Jerusalem. And so David is recognizing all that God has done. Uh, he says here that all the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, they make their pilgrimage here three times a year, uh, the Passover, Pentecost, the harvest season. Three times a year, they would come to worship. He says they, they, they pilgrimage, make, make their pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord as the law requires of Israel. Here stand the thrones where judgment is given, the thrones of the dynasty of David. Pray for the peace in Jerusalem. And I want you to see this. Uh, the Jerusalem represents our home in this, in this context. I realize Jerusalem is Jerusalem. And in the end, uh, there will be, of, of course, Jesus will set his feet on the Mount of Olives. He will come into Jerusalem. All that's going to happen at a appointed time. But how many know Jerusalem representing the place of God's presence? I want my home to be a place of God's presence. Anybody else agree with me today? I want my home to be a place of God's presence. So he says this, and, and as we read this with Jerusalem, I pray this over your home. He says, pray for the peace in Jerusalem. Pray for the peace in your home. May all who love this city, this family, may they all prosper. Oh, Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. How many want that for your home, for your family? Peace in the walls and prosperity in your palaces, in your place of, of residence. He says, for the sake of my family and friends, I will say, may you have peace. And for the sake of the house of the people of God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. God, would you help us to seek what is best for our families? God, I pray that we would have homes that are healthy, homes that are effective, homes that bring you honor and glory. And God, help us to do what matters, to affect our homes effectively. We pray in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, would you say amen? amen. On your way to being seated, tell your neighbor you better have a plan. If you don't have a plan, somebody else will. You better have a plan. Where are you going to eat after here? <laughs> Y'all need a better plan. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> Number one, I won't be there. Number two, if I was making it, you would be the last time you'd show up to eat. Uh, you better, better have a, a plan. I am um, looking at this, this text today I, and talking about uh, family, I want to share from this title. Um, I stole it from Becca uh, Hudak. Uh, family, family planning. Uh, not planning how many kids you're going to have, but you better have a plan. If you don't have a plan, uh, you will just go with the tide. And I don't know if you noticed, but the tide isn't the best thing to follow. Uh, just the the what is coming and going isn't the best thing for us to set our mind on. I um. Uh, recognize that we need leadership within our community. We need leadership within our government. We need leadership all around us. But let me tell you where we need leadership first and foremost. We need leadership in the home above everything else. Uh, we need leadership in the home because it's in the home that we're raising up followers of Jesus who are becoming leaders in their community. The home is the most, most important place that we need to have leaders that are raised. If I were to give a, an anchor verse to this series, it would be this in Joshua 23. Joshua is the leader of Israel at that time. He followed follow, uh, Moses. And as the leader, he says to the people, choose this day who you will serve. How many know it's your choice? 
You make the choice. You, you have to make the choice this day who you will serve. He says, make the choice who you're going to serve. If it's going to be the gods of your ancestors, then follow them. If it's going to be the gods of the, of the people in this new place that the Lord has brought us, then follow them. You pick, you choose. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many know you and I have to make a decision? We have to make the, the decision whether to allow culture to, to influence our homes. I realize culture Culture has something to say, but it's not culture's job to raise my home. It's my job. It's my responsibility to influence and to raise as, as parents. It's our job as, as spouses. It's our job to set the course and to raise and to see this move forward. There's an Old Testament proverb that says this, without a vision, the people perish. If you and I don't have a plan, if we don't have a vision, we become people who perish, who just go along with whatever is around us. That vision requires the combination of this, both rules and reason. It's not enough to have rules of what to do. We've got to have the reason for why we do it. It's the, the coming together of the rules and the reason that set the course that we would have vision of what it is we're supposed to accomplish. We must be people of vision. David was a person of vision. If we don't have vision, We'll lose, we'll, lose, we'll, we'll lose sight in the process because sometimes it's always good intentions, but how many know good intentions aren't enough? You can have good intentions in the moment, but if you don't know the vision and the purpose, you'll give up in the process that you'll give up in the process, but being able to press on through the difficult times, through the things that, that struggle or that we struggle against, that we would hold on with vision through the process. I wanna ask you today, what's the vision for your home? Do you have a vision for your marriage? What's the vision? We're people that, that speak vision. Some of us have been in meetings that have been uh, in uh, organizations and businesses where we come together and someone who's in charge, the leader says, here's our plan. We're gonna make these decisions. We're gonna do these things, meet this quota. We've got this stuff. We've got vision. We've got leadership. If there's a good leader, they have vision and a plan for how things are gonna get done. Nothing usually just works because, well, just go do your job and hopefully it all works out. No, there's a plan. There's someone who's putting details and we ought to be people who plan because good leaders plan but if we're going to plan anything I believe we shouldn't just write a vision for our businesses we need to have one for our home why would we just have vision for the things that are temporary when we've got something that's going to last forever the relationships and influences that we have what is the vision for your marriage you say a vision for my marriage I just want to be happy what is that what's that look like What's behind it? What is the vision? What's the purpose? And putting these things in motion as we, as we set the course for what would, what would be in our future. We've got to have, be people of vision. David was a person of vision. Here's his vision. He says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. His vision and the purpose was to be in the presence of God, the house of the Lord. Now, I love that we're starting off with David because David was not a perfect person. David is the one we're looking at, and David is setting the course. David had an affair. Don't do that. David murders the husband of the woman he had an affair with. Don't do that. David did not properly address his children when they needed discipline, and when there was disorder, he ignored it because he didn't want to deal with the tension 
and the struggle, so he just let things go. Absalom is not put in his place. Absalom ends up literally being the one that leads to Israel being divided between a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. David was not a perfect person. That's good news, y'all. The reason that's good news is because if God could use a man like David, then there's none of us here today. I want you to hear this today. Your failures, your past failures, do not remove or hinder you from your future progress. Amen. It doesn't matter what your past failures are. You say, well, Jason, I'm already, you know, I, I've already got some things behind me, already failed. Oh, that thing I don't do, I already did that. That thing, of, it, it, none of that matters. Here's the thing. Today is a day that you set a course. The grace of God doesn't give us permission to keep on sinning. The grace of God gives us power so we don't have to keep on being what we've done before, but we can put away the old and become new. Anybody in the room today, put away the old and you've been made new by the power and the grace of God that your life made new. This is sets the new course. And so David is in this place. He says that, of course, we recognize that he has vision. And his vision is that there would be a place where his people or his family would come to worship. Now, I want to give you some things that need to be have in place if we're going to have leadership. God help us to have good leadership in the home because if we don't have leadership in the home, we end up with chaos in our society. Let me give you some pictures of chaos in the society. An 18-year-old is with issue, goes into an elementary school in Texas and shoots up a school of young, innocent, defenseless, vulnerable children. You can say all you want about gun laws, but we got bigger issues than just guns. I think there ought to be common sense. Sure, let's put some reformation, some things in place. That's common sense. But just creating a law is not gonna fix the problem. Amen. If I create a law to fix the problem, I've missed it. I do believe and hope that Roe v. Wade gets overturned. I do believe that life from its con in the, the, the inception and the conception that it is a life from God and a gift from God, I believe. But I don't need a law let me say it this way. If we need a law to tell mothers not to kill their children, we got bigger problems. Do you hear what I'm saying? I realize for some of us that's on tense ground. I, I realize that. I'm not saying it to make a statement to come down. I'm saying I want you to think about if we don't honor life because there's, Pro-life, pro-gun, pro-whatever you are, you can, that matters, absolutely. But we make too much of the issue in the courts and in the law and forget that it needs to be written on the heart. The value of life begins in how I honor. There's something that, that, that really makes me wonder. Here's a kid that didn't know who he was and so confused by who he is, where he fits, where he belongs, that he robs it from innocent kids. I'm just telling you, there's something demonic behind that. The issue, in my opinion, be honest with you, and I feel pretty confident to say this, having a gun law would not have stopped that kid doing it. You know what would have stopped him? having an influencer in his life who would have told him who he is instead of letting him go to the world to try and figure out who he is.
having someone, preferably a parent, I don't know his life circumstances because let me just remind you, none of us have perfect homes. None of us have perfect families, which is why I believe it doesn't take a village, but it takes a church. I know there was a book written, it takes a village to raise a child. And I, I believe, but I would, I would rather call it, it takes a church. I believe that's what the body of Christ is together because there's none of us in the room who have perfect families and perfect homes. None of us come from perfect environments. That, that, this isn't about gaining perfection in the home. This is about gaining and becoming healthy. Have you realized that in order for something to become healthy, it requires tension? We usually think that something is healthy because there are no problems. That's not health. Health is not the absence of problems. Health is the ability to maneuver and handle the problems that you do have. Because if health is no problems, guess what? We're all sick which is why Jesus said he didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. He came for those who have problems. Raise your hand if you got problems. Yeah, that's just, the, just making sure we're talking to the right people in the room. Every single one of us, we, we have issues and things that we have to work through. We have to make progress. My wife and I made progress a couple years in our marriage. And uh, the progress that we made in our marriage was we made an agreement that we will not raise our voice and slam doors anymore. We're making progress, y'all. I mean, there were, there were early days in our marriage. You know, I never thought we were not gonna make it, but there were days like, God, is this, is this as good as it's gonna get? I remember after one of those tiffs, you know, having the, the moment, okay, if it doesn't happen in your home, bless you, you got it all together. Uh, but years ago, we had that moment, and we, we, the next day, we're like, you know what? I think when we're in the heat of the moment, we gotta have some rules for fighting. How many know it's good to have rules when you fight? If you have not fought with your wife or your spouse, I don't know how well you know each other, quite honestly. Uh, we had to set some rules, and some of the rules we had to set was I would not raise my voice, and she would not slam doors. That was good. We made progress right there. It was like right off the bat, we're getting better. We're making progress. We're, we're, we're coming along. And, and there become those things in our, in our process. None of us are perfect, None of us have it all together and, and having the, the, the ability that if we don't set the course, we'll allow the world. It's not the world's job to raise our children and to set the course for our home. It's our job. So David recognized that he had to have vision. David was a man of vision, not a perfection, but a vision. And David said, I was glad when they said, let me go to the house of the Lord. And I want you to see in leadership, there are certain things that we grow into and realize that I, can, I have to do what only I can do. In leadership, you learn to delegate. Let other people do what you can't do, but you better do what only you can do. Somebody tell your neighbor, do what only you can do. I wanna give you some of the things that only you can do. In your home, only you can do this. Here's number one. David recognized this. You've got to anticipate destiny. Only you can anticipate destiny. Here, here's what I mean by that. Anticipate destiny is to set a course and speak things into motion. David says these words, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Now that sounds all good to us and right, but here's the thing that you have to be reminded. David said, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord, the house that isn't even built yet, the house that my son is going to build, the house that I'm going to help him and prepare because I'm excited not for what is, but for what is yet to come. David was giving vision and direction for his family. Did you hear that? He was excited to be in a place of worship that wasn't even built yet. 
Now he could go to the ark. They would still come to the place of worship that was the ark of the covenant. But how many know he didn't say, I'm glad to go to the tent of the Lord. He didn't say, I'm glad to go to the ark of the covenant, the covenant or, or the place of the Lord's presence. He said the house. It literally means the house. Why was he saying that? Because when he stood there in worship, he said, this is the place that my son's gonna build and a place that I'm gonna set in motion. Can I say to moms and dads, it's our job to name our kids. You gave them the name. We name things. What was Adam supposed to do? The, the day God created him and gave him his job, the Bible says in Genesis chapter two that he brought all the animals to Adam and said, now give him a name. God has given you and I the authority and we've gotta be careful to not renege or to give away the job that God gave us to do in the home. It's our job to give the identity, not the world's. I'm gonna just make another statement. Because it's truth, and I'm telling you it's truth. And if you don't like truth, I can't change truth just because you don't like it. Okay? Amen. Can't change truth just because you don't like it, but this is the truth. What kind of society lets elementary age kids determine their gender? I, I, I don't, I just, I, what is that that we have allowed the identity, listen, it's not my child's job to identify himself. It's not the world's job to identify my child. It's my job to train up the child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart. To train them up is to set them on a course in the direction. I'm gonna tell them who they are. You know who they are? They're mine, they're loved of me, called of God, gifted by God. I'm gonna tell them who they are. The world's not gonna tell them. It's my job to name them and to say who they are. It's my job to set within the home that it becomes the place. Now, I realize, I, I know that a lot of things that we could say right now become controversial. I've said to my wife uh, a little bit ago, I said, do you realize how hard it gets to preach truth in a culture like this? Because everybody's offended by everything. 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 It's just our culture that we're in. And so here's the reason. You better know your vision because culture is gonna do whatever it can to take you off course. So you better know what the, what's the vision, what's the goal, because there are days I feel in love with my wife, and there are other days I don't. Amen. He's helping a brother out. Help the brother out. He, he just saw me hanging there all by myself. He's like, I'm not gonna let the brother hang. I'm gonna, I'm gonna support him. I'm gonna come alongside and... Come on, you know we're just the we're we're the we're the brave leaders in the room just being honest right now. I mean, if you went by feelings, come on. Because I have gone by feelings, and guess what I've done by feelings? I've said things I shouldn't have said because I felt like it. Oh, come on, anybody else? But I don't live by feet. When I know what the vision is, I begin to set with anticipation. What what is it that we're moving towards? What's the vision? for your family. What's the vision for your marriage? I, I love the story of Ronald Reagan. When he was a, uh, a kid, he told the story uh, as an eight-year-old, he would have to wear corrective shoes because of his feet. And so he would be taken at that time to a shoemaker uh, who, would, who would make the shoes for him. And, and as an eight-year-old, he went in and uh, the, uh, the, the individual said to him, said, Ronnie, 
uh, do you want square-toed or round-toed? And, and uh, President Reagan, he said at the time, he was just, he was uh, sheepish and, and quiet. And so he just looked up and he kind of shrugged his shoulders. And he said, very good. Well, come on back in a week and I'll have your shoes for you. About a week goes by, uh, President Reagan comes in and uh, uh, little Ronnie, the future president, stands there. And the shoemaker brings the shoes out and puts them in front of of uh, Ronald Reagan, and one is square and one is rounded. It was that day that President Reagan said, that day I learned if I don't make my decision, someone else will. If I don't make my decision, somebody else will. If I don't set the vision for what is my marriage, what's the vision for my children? It's my job to name them. I didn't dedicate my children to the Lord when we had baby dedication on a special Sunday and brought them to the altar. I dedicated my children to the Lord the day I found out we were pregnant. We had three and only one was planned. I won't tell you which one that was. (laughs) But even the ones who were like, didn't expect that. How many know God was already putting? But the moment that came to this This understanding, I began to speak life and pray over them. It was my job to prophesy. David is saying this. David, when he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord, he was prophesying over the next generation. Listen to what it says in in 1 Chronicles chapter 22. David said, my son Solomon is still young and inexperienced. How many know that's just the process of life? How many, when you were young, you knew everything, Right? I think I've said this before, the Pastor Don, who I, I uh, uh, served under here for seven years, he used to say often, the older I get, the less I know. And I thought, well, that's what old people say, I guess. But he wasn't old, he was my age now. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> like that's just what you say when you get older. But then I realized, no, it's the truth, that the older you get, the more you realize you don't know it all, and you're okay being able to trust God with all of it. Because... God help us if we become such an expert. And here it is, David recognized, my son is young. He doesn't know everything. He's inexperienced. And he says, and since the temple to be built for the Lord must be a magnificent structure, famous and glorious throughout the world, I will begin making preparations for it now. So David collected vast amounts of building materials before his death. What was David saying? David was saying, I'm gonna begin preparing now for my son's future and for the purpose to which God has. I'm gonna make preparations. I wanna ask you today, what are you willing to make preparations now? You say, well, I, my kids are out of the house. Maybe they're grandkids. Your marriage, you, if, you're, if you're still married, whatever that future might be, I, it doesn't matter what stage you're in. I wanna challenge you today to make plans today for where you're gonna go. Because if you don't, you'll just let the tide carry you. And I don't know if you noticed, it's not such a good tide out there. We've gotta set the course. We, we've got to be the ones that set the course for our lives and set the destination. So it's our job that we need to name it. Here's number two. We, we've got to anticipate destiny. We've got to have the focus where we're going. Number two, we need to appreciate development. This is another thing that only you can do. Only you can name your kids. Only you can speak the direction and future over them. Uh, each of our kids, I, the moment that we found out we were pregnant, uh, well, she was pregnant, and uh, I, um, I just put on the weight. Um, <laughs> I would pray over them and just believe God for their future, their destiny. And uh, God, God would give me 
uh, visions and, and just words that I would write down and hold on to. And uh, I can't tell them where to go in life, but I began to speak over them what God had called them to do, who God had called them to be. And it's our job to name. Number two, it's also my job to give the recognition or appreciation. Um, I never want my kids to have to go somewhere else to get the applause. It's my job. By the way, not only my kids, my wife. I don't ever want another man to tell my wife how good she looks because she's like, I've already heard it from my husband. I know. I don't need to get attention from someone else because I've already got it at home. You hear me? It's my job to show the appreciation. When, when was the last time you, you said to your children, your spouse, your family, your parents, how much you value, appreciate, and love? I'm a 45, well, 44-year-old man that will still just at random send messages to my parents. And by the way, text message makes it a lot easier now. I say that like, you know, because we didn't have that back in the day. <laughs> anyway, just to pick up a text, say, hey, mom, thanks for, or dad, just have moments. It's not all the time, but it's every couple weeks. It's regularly at home. What, why, why is that? Because the Bible says that we need to honor, give honor to whom honor is due. It's our job to honor. I never wanna have to say to my kids, the Bible says honor your father and your mother. I've never had to tell them that. You know why? Because I showed them how to honor. I showed them how to honor by honoring them and honoring family members. I hope I showed my son how to honor his mother by how he watched me honor my wife. I hope that we show and we give. And here's the significance of honor is this, that you cannot have honor without thanksgiving. They would, the Bible says that they came to give honor, to honor the Lord. Well, how did they do that? With thanksgiving. You can't honor without being thankful. And so I would encourage you, express the gratitude. Here's something for, for parents. Don't get in the trap of only applauding your child for what they do. Applaud your child not just for what they do, but even more for who they are. Because when we, our culture of trophies for accomplishments, we have a generation that feels like the only time they're loved is if they do something significant. No, you're not loved because of what you do. You, you're loved because you're mine. You belong to me. Maybe today's a day, like David said, I'm gonna begin making preparations. Maybe today a day of giving appreciation, letting it be known. I know it might not be Mother's Day. It might not be Father's Day. It might not be your anniversary. It might not be someone's birthday. But I'll tell you honestly, I would much rather, I give my wife stuff on Valentine's Day, but I'd much rather give her stuff when it's not Valentine's Day, to be honest with you. I hate giving stuff on Valentine's Day. I still do it because, you know, I don't want to be like a loser. Um, <laughs> But I don't want her to think at Valentine's the only time I'm gonna give her. So I'm gonna send her a text. I'm gonna send her an email. I'm gonna send something of, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you, how grateful I am. That becomes part of setting the course. That's my job to give appreciation, all right? It's your job in our homes to give that, that appreciation. I, I um, um, here, Here's number three that we also have, and that becomes... Um, being attentive to details, giving attention to details. It's my job to anticipate the destiny. Only I can name them. It's my job to uh, give the appreciation, um, to, to show honor. Let, let me just back up to that. There's a difference between honor and praise. And um, when you give honor, 
you recognize what someone has allowed God to do in their life. When you give praise, you recognize people for what they've done. And be careful to not overpraise your kids when you should be honoring your kids. There's a difference between praise and honor. Um, because sometimes we puff people up so much that they don't know how to handle the real world when somebody tells them they're not all that good. Yeah, so honor, uh, the honor is uh, we recognize what people have allowed God to do in their life, and praise is when we recognize what people have done. Uh, honor, praise and honor belong to God, but only praise belongs to God. Honor, he said, give honor to whom honor is due. And honor is not just recognizing what people can do, but honor is recognizing what people have allowed God to do in their life, um, to give honor. Uh, because we, we become a culture that we... <laughs> Jody, uh, Jody's argument is there should be no second place trophies. I'm telling you, she's a hard one. I mean, forget not everybody, you know, a participation trophy. She's like, not even a second place trophy. You're a loser. No, okay, not completely like that. Uh, but there is this aspect that we just, we just applaud people for showing up. Well, you're just, you're just great, um, you know, just in existence. Well, yes, you are. Um, uh, because we love you that way, but if we just applaud for anything and, and we, we start to build up, well, the moment they have to get criticized or have to be corrected or have to be set in a different place uh, or anyway, that, that's a little bit of a different topic. Might come to that with discipline. Um, but God help us to honor our kids and uh, um, in honor, it becomes what we recognize what God has allowed to do. Here's the, the other reason too is praise is just, too much of a drug in our culture. Everybody wants praise. You want me to prove we're addicted to it? You post something and put something up on Instagram, the first thing you look at is how many people liked it. I'm just being honest. We are addicted to approval. We are addicted to acceptance. We're addicted to that. And that's the difference between honor and praise. Um, praise is just you put up a good picture. I didn't realize what you went through and who you chewed out in the process and what a bad attitude you had, but you look good. Come on, I'm just being honest, right? We, we ignore what it was to get that. We just praise and we're addicted to praise. Just tell me how good I am. Tell me how good I look. Tell me. Um, but man, when we give honor, we recognize what people are allowing God to do in, in their lives. Here's the last thing. We gotta be attentive to details. And here's what the attention to detail. David said, May, your, may there be peace in your city and may there be prosperity in your home. Peace in your city, prosperity in your home. I don't know if you know this, but peace and prosperity don't come easy. One of the core values we have at Faith Assembly are essentials of faith. One of them is unity. And the reason we made that a core value is because I learned that unity doesn't happen naturally. Unity works because you have to work at it. Um, my wife and I, this this past two weeks, we've um, we celebrated uh, 25 years of marriage. And uh, 25 years of marriage is because we said, we're not going to quit. Not because there weren't moments, you know, we thought, I mean, we never said we were going to quit. But I'll be honest with you, there are moments early on in our marriage, I thought, gosh, are we ever going to see eye to eye? Are we ever going to, and we had to learn how to how to, how to work and move, and that's just life. And I'm glad I didn't give up. Glad I didn't just quit on a bad day. Glad I didn't just 
in a moment of not feeling. Just throw in the towel. Just say, well, that's as good as it'll get. Um, so it takes work. And having attention to details, I'm gonna encourage you that, man, you just stay. That word attend, to have attention to details means to attend. And when you attend, it means to be present. It means to be there. We are a culture that has more absentee fathers than even World War II, post-World War II. Post-World War II, we had an epidemic that led to the sex revolution and drug issues of the 70s. And the reason that happened was a lack of fathers because of post-World War II. Post-World War II, there were some that were lost in war and they didn't come home. But even the ones that came home, they hadn't been in the kids' lives for so long. And so they did not fully parent in a, in a way. And there was just this awkwardness in trying to adjust. It gave way to a process. It gave way to what we had in the 70s, sex, drug, revolution. It's social science. It's the truth. We've hit another one now. The ironic thing is this time it's not because of an absence due to war. It's an absence due to negligence. It's an absence due to we have a lot of sperm donors but not fathers. We are the most fatherless generation right now. That's not, I don't say that as an indictment. I'm saying that as a fact of matter. Why are we at an identity crisis? Because dads and moms, okay, that's, I'm not, remember David wasn't perfect. <laughs> I'm just saying it out of, we have to recognize and now it's, we have to be sure. Let's not, let's not allow the world to get louder. The voice on the outside to be louder than the voice on the inside. You making sense? We good? It's our job. It's, it's, it's the home. It's who we are. That it's our job to be attentive and to stay and remain. Even when you feel like not. <laughs> stay engaged. Sometimes the most important thing to do is just be there. Um, yeah. Because it's not always easy parenting kids. You think terrible twos or something? Wait till the junior high stage of trying to figure out whose identity they're gonna take on. It's all part of it. But God will give grace. And it all comes back to, do you know what your plan is? Because if you don't have a plan, you'll give up in the process. So you better plan. What's the vision? Jody and I inadvertently got our vision for our, our marriage in our first year uh, our first year of marriage, we went to Tom's River, New Jersey to celebrate our one-year anniversary. While we're at Tom's River, we're walking out on the boardwalk and she loses her, her ring. So we think, I don't feel her ring. It was, she's like, I'm missing my ring. So, well, it must have fallen off somewhere here and we can't find the ring. So we don't see it on the boardwalk. The sand is below, tide is coming in a couple hours. So we're trying to find the ring. We think of where it may have been lost and so I'm underneath trying to find the ring. She's up top sitting on the, at the boardwalk. I'm waiting for what they call there in Tom's River, the hobos to come through. Uh, they call, one referred to a hobo, the other referred to a beach bum. She said, the bums will come out and they'll have metal detectors, so ask them to help you look for the ring. So 
one of the bums came out <laughs> with a metal detector. That was her word, not mine. Um, I said, we looking for a ring. The guy tells me, he says, well, uh, I can by law charge you up to so much of its value. I'm like, I don't care. I'm a college kid. I have no money, but find the ring. He goes into this small talk. He tells me that he's a retired professor from Dartmouth University. He's 83 years old. A retired professor. He asked my name and all that is. I gave him my name. He asked what we're doing. I'm like, buddy, I don't want small talk. Just find the ring. I don't say that. Finally, he goes through. He gets out of me that, yeah, I'm in college. What are you studying for? Studying to be a pastor for the ministry. Oh, that's interesting. He asked me, he said, I've been thinking a lot about afterlife. What do you believe about life after death? So then I go into the whole conversation of life after death. I, as a third-year college student, am talking to an 83 Dartmouth retired professor about life after death. I shared Jesus. I shared that the only way that Jesus died and rose again, to believe on Jesus Christ, what the scriptures scriptures say. Oh, that's interesting. He said, "I, I grew up in church but never really went. We had this conversation, and I'm like, well, we didn't find the ring, but I got to talk to him. I leave that, walk up to the, the place where Jody's sitting. She says, you didn't find the ring, did you? I said, no. She said, but you told him about Jesus, didn't you? I said, yeah. She said, I was sitting here thinking if I lost the ring and Jason tells him about Jesus, it'll be worth it. It was in that moment that we determined, we didn't know about having a vision for our life, but it was at that time as a 21-year-old that we said, our life is gonna be about whatever it takes to tell people about Jesus. Can I tell you, there've been moments we had to remind ourselves why we're doing what we're doing. Because there's times life gets busy, life gets distracting, life has other stuff, there are things that are going on, and all of that happens, but at the heart of it, we gotta remind ourselves, why are we here? Why are we doing what we're doing? Because if you don't have a vision, you'll just flow with whatever comes along the way. If you don't know the plan, then you'll think it's not worth it. You'll think it's just give up. But if you know the plan, hold on. Trust and allow God to fulfill his purpose, his plan in your life. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna ask them to sing just this this song that we sang already. And, And if you're with your spouse or someone in your family, maybe you want to, join hands or put an arm around them. And here's what I wanna pray. We're gonna sing this song, Come Rest On Us. What I wanna pray is that the Spirit of God would rest on your home, that the Spirit of God would rest on your marriage, that the Spirit of God would rest in 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 your home, where you are, your place of influence. God, help us to make some sharp arrows so that when it's time,